Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome your saltwater guide with another phenomenal podcast for you. Today is Text the Show Wednesdays. Those of you listening on all the podcast carriers, you can all get involved in this text the show Wednesdays. All you have to do is text me in your questions Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening. I'll read them on air on Wednesday. And then uh, we give away a shirt every Wednesday and we give away a t-shirt every Thursday when Kelly girls on the show. And uh, all you got to do is send in a question and we pick one lucky person out of the bunch and you win a free t-shirt. We give away a lot of stuff on this show and you don't want to miss out. All you got to do is text the show Wednesday at 949-374-0786 and we'll get you out that free t-shirt to one lucky winner. There's Marley jumping around in the background. The neighbor decided to put the owl back up. So Marley's having a rough time here this morning jumping around. Scared to death of the plastic owl at the neighbor's house. Those of you that know us know all about the plastic owl. And those of you that are just listening in, now you're getting to know Marley is terrified of the plastic owl. You see him up there. I got the window blinds closed. He's a little worried, though. He's been jumping up and down trying to see if that owl is going to get him. So uh, you might hear him making some chirping sounds. But I hope he doesn't because I got everything closed up pretty good. Today, gang, we got a special deal softsteelusa.com. I've got it in the bottom left-hand corner there. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, if you go to softsteelusa.com, put in the code Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N 30, you're going to save 30% on all the products over there. We'll talk more about that as the show gets going. Soft Steel's owned by Akuma, and Wednesdays are Akuma Wednesdays, so I just want you to grab that code, go over there, check out Soft Steel. All the products are 30% off today with the code Hanson30. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, everybody's getting in on the power of your saltwater guide. They're starting to understand we have a big, giant audience. Everyone over at Promar wanted me to tell you all thank you very much for yesterday. That was incredible, the amount of people that went over there and took part in that 20% 20 off Dan and Kim, hello, everybody. Max, good to see you. Everybody, watch Marley. He's very active today. He's got he's had quite a bit to eat this morning, and he's putting on a great show. He, he loves this show. He gets very excited every time he hears us go live. So, And if those of you that are listening on the podcast, you may want to go over one day and watch us on YouTube or on Facebook, and you can see who Marley is. Marley's our monkey. Marley is... Uh, Smallest monkey in the world. He's eight inches tall, full grown. He'll never be any bigger than that. His head is the size of my thumb. He's the smallest monkey in the world. And his name's Marley. Because when I first saw him and I looked at his little face, he reminded me of Bob Marley from the from the album. The little his little face, he's got little dreadlocks coming off his ears. He's a pretty, pretty special little animal, and he's pretty friendly. And 
There he is jumping around back there in the background. So keep an eye on him. And gang, don't forget, text the show. 949-374-0786. And you'll get your uh, question read on air. And then you may win that free t-shirt. So go ahead and send on in your questions, gang. I'm going to be here for an hour, try to answer as many questions as I possibly can. And uh, we'll see what happens. We got some we got some cool stuff to show you a little later in the show from Akuma. We'll show you a couple of reels again, like we talked about last week. We got all kinds of cool stuff to show you. But something I keep missing and keep forgetting to talk about is I want to bring this up. And guys like Dan, Commercial Fish for a long, long time. My good buddy Max is on here. Quite a few of my old deckhands and old captains watch the show day in and day out. My good buddy Don Brockman, talking to him the other day. Here's something that uh, to just blow your mind. I think until probably the mid-90s, I worked on boats all over the place. Mexico, Southern California, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, deliveries, all kinds of stuff through my whole career. And here's something that just blows my mind. And you, Dan, you remember this. Gang, we never had any water ever. 60s, 70s, 80s, mid 90s, I think, is when the bottle of water first started showing up on the boat. But, gang, when you worked on a boat, there was never an intake of water. And I would go days at a time. And a lot of the guys, long range guys and stuff, talk about this. We had no water on the boat. There was no drinking water. There was no bottled water. You didn't drink the water out of the holding tank, did you, Dan? No way, man. That was, you You didn't drink water. We didn't drink water. There was two beverages on the, on the boats, on the sport boats and commercial boats. You had beer and soda, and that was it. You made coffee out of that holding tank on the boat. Isn't that absolutely crazy? Yeah, monsters came way late, Max, way later. Way later. There was no monsters back in the day. We didn't have any water on the boats. I mean, that is just the most incredible thing. I can't, I think about it all the time and I'm thinking, man, how did we do that? No water, never hydrated, never ever drank water. We were out in the sun, beating in the sun all day long. I remember massive headaches in the late afternoon when it was time to go out twilight fishing, whatever. There was no water. No one drank water. No one hydrated. There was no plastic bottles of water all over the place. It just was the way it was. It just, it, there was no water. I mean, Dan, did you guys have water on the commercial boats? I don't think so. Back in the day, that just wasn't the deal. And nowadays, when we stock a boat to go travel, to go do a delivery or go to Mexico or something, we get cases and cases and cases and cases and cases of water. All your sport boats, all your commercial boats, everybody has water now, but 60s, 70s, 80s, mid 90s, there was no water, <laughs> no drinking water. You never would have drank the water out of the, out of the holding tank. That's for damn sure. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Send me a message. Any of you that worked on boats back in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, let me know. Think about that. We didn't drink water. What a weird deal. Now we don't go, everybody talks about hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. We don't go, we don't go very many hours without drinking a bottle of water or two or three or four or five. 
But back in when I grew up on the boats, there was no water. And I and I'm sure there's a lot of you that are sitting here thinking, that's right, there wasn't. You either drank a beer or you drank a soda. And think about that. Drinking that soda pop to to hydrate yourself. That's probably the worst thing you could possibly drink to hydrate yourself, but that's all we had. And you couldn't start drinking early because you were like in charge. I wouldn't say we didn't drink at all while we were working, but you didn't want to start off drinking right away in the morning. I'd make it for a big mess. This is the olden days, though. This is the old days. All right. So here we go. We got a question from Matt. Thanks, Matt. Thanks to get this thing started, get this thing rolling. Gang, you can still send in your questions. You're going to win a free shirt, 949-374-0786. Yeah, junk water was for coffee. You never, ever, ever would have wasted it drinking. You needed that for the coffee in the morning. Oh, my gosh. So Matt wants to know, what's your preferred way to sharpen fillet knives? I use a stone. Now, you got to watch Kelly Girl a couple weeks ago. We put out that video of Kelly Girl sharpening it with that with that knife sharpener from Amazon. That's a great way to do it if you're just going to sharpen some kitchen knives every once in a while. But when you're out on the boat working every day, and Max will tell you, Max and I, we used to fillet, and a lot of my buddies, we used to fillet 12, 1,500 fish in a two-hour period two guys on the fillet board on the back deck in the heat. And we only had stones. We didn't have a steel. We had sharpening stone, wet stones, we call them. One side's very coarse. One side's very fine. You grind it with the, with the coarse side to get your edge. And then all you got to do throughout the time you're filleting fish is just hit it with that, um, I would call it a softer side. A less coarse side maybe would be a better way to say it. But you would hit it with that just to keep that edge sharp. But before you start filleting fish, you'd grind it down on that that coarse side of the stone. Get a nice thick edge and then just keep it sharp by hitting it with the softer side of the stone. And that's how we, fillet. we uh, sharpened our knives for many, many years. And the Forstner wouldn't handle, absolutely. The Forstner wouldn't handle eight-inch fillet knife. We could cut everything that swam out there, eight-inch perfect, and get that tip really, really sharp for cutting cutting into the skin to get going on the fillet. It, it worked out very, very well, and that's how we did it. An oil stone, that doesn't work on a boat when you're soaking wet, and plus you're cutting fish all day, and you're, then you're putting that oil on the fish. Nah, that oil thing, that's all fun and games. That's that's for something not to do with fish. Yep. But, uh, oh, that's a great story, Mike Lewis and Dan. Yep, to cover up the taste of the water because the water was so gross. Gang, send in your questions, 949-374-0786. Oh, I just got a picture from a yellowfin caught on the Clemente today. Oh, how sweet. Nice, nice, nice. That's a good one. Hey, my good friend, Cubby Paul, Kevin Kevin Paul's son, my good buddy, Cubby Paul's son, Charlie, 
caught this right out in front of Oceanside Harbor just a couple days ago. Look at this. Where did it go? Oh, I don't even know where it went. Huh. Well, we had this great picture of, of them. We don't have it anymore. Oh, well. I had a good picture of them, but it won't load. Oh, well. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, he caught a nice bluefin four miles off of Oceanside Harbor. Pretty good deal. And then my nephew Cameron was fighting that fish for hours the other night. I told you all about that. So my good buddy, Steve Thomas, I just ask a question. I have a, any suggestions for a good pair of binoculars? Not the gyros, but anything. Do you, you know what? The, um, stabilized binoculars they're not going to set you back three grand i think they're they're less than a thousand dollars i think you can get away with a pair of those as far as field glasses go we used them forever and they worked just fine they did they worked fine they don't work like the gyro stabilizing binoculars but they work just fine we were able to find plenty of fish back in the day you would have no problem using those when you're out on your boat. You're not going to get all the, you're not going to get the five mile view. You're not going to get the four mile view, but I think you could with a decent pair of field glasses, I think you could be successful, but stabilized binoculars are better. Gyro stabilizer are the best, but you can get those techno stabies and, uh, there's plenty of people watching the show right now that know the price point of those. I'm not, I don't know the price point of them. Tommy Gomes, what's happening, buddy? Wow. We got a guest celebrity appearance over here on the comments by Tommy Gomes. Dude, I got to get back up there. We got to make some videos. It should be fun. I, I just had so much fun hanging out with you, buddy. It was so cool. And I can't wait to get back up there. All right. There's Mike Lewis as a nice pair of Bushnells. Or a nice pair of Zeiss. But a Zeiss is going to cost you a grand, $1,200, bucks. So you're going to want to... Tommy Gomes, did we have any water on the boats back when we were growing up? Think about that. Water, drinking water. Do we have any water on the boats? Hell no, we didn't have any water. You drank a soda or you drank a beer or you didn't have anything to drink. That was it. That is so crazy. Tommy's been around as long as I have. Tommy worked on boats all over the world. I mean, commercial fishing, just like Dan and Kim... <laughs> think about that no water and we're still alive that's crazy talk right there it's it's absolutely amazing that we were able to do it for all these years but steve thompson you can give me a call later after the show we'll talk more about binoculars but you got to have a really good pair of binoculars that's all i can say we talk about it on the game plans every day we talk about it all the time you got to have a good pair of binoculars this time of year when you're fishing that offshore stuff, it's super important to have a good pair of binoculars. And I'm glad you asked that question and you brought that up because, yeah, it is super important. So thanks for that question, Steve. Gang, once again, I can't tell you enough. You got to text the show. It's super important. You guys are throwing questions up on Facebook and uh, YouTube. I can't really... You're not going to win a prize. You're not going to win the t-shirt. Throw them up on my phone at 
0786. 949-374-0786. Text your questions in. And those of you that are listening to the show tomorrow, we got Kelly girl on the show and she's going to answer your questions to the best of her ability. She's going to be with us. She had a really good time last week on the show. She's going to join us again this week on Thursday. And you can text your questions in. Those of you listening on all the podcast carriers, you can text your questions into Kelly girl and she'll try to answer them on the show tomorrow. And you got a chance to win that free t-shirt. Don't forget, I'm giving away a t-shirt right now. I only got two people to pick from. So get in on the mix here, gang. And then, uh, there's so much different stuff happening. This Hurricane Hillary came through and just really made a mess of this fishing thing. We got streaky red tide all over the coast. We got red tide over at Catalina. Then we got good Dorado fishing in certain places. And we got big giant void areas of anything. We got, I don't know, 15 different members out today, out looking. Justin's out there running the show. He's got probably five or six boats working areas with him. We should have a really, really fantastic report tonight on the community section of the website, gang. So you want to check in and see what actually happens. I know there was a few boats out there yesterday that didn't do too good, but one of our members, he just posted a video. Ray caught a nice little thresher shark. Got a nice little thresher shark right there. Perfect size for the barbecue, gang. Just a beautiful little thresher shark. They caught that yesterday. One of the children on the boat got a little seasick, so they ended up staying in close, fishing Justin style, and got a nice one. Got a nice, perfect barbecue size. Hey, Josh, thank you. What's the best way to keep lobsters alive when you're on a boat for days at a time? Well, what we do is we put them in the bait tank. And then they stay down there on the bottom. They eat the dead bait when it dies and drops down to the bottom. Another way a lot of guys do it is they'll take a wet beach towel or a wet gunny sack, get it really wet and keep it wet throughout the trip. Not with fresh water, keeping it wet with salt water. If you keep the towel wet and you keep them, keep it on the lobsters, they can stay alive that way for days at a time. If you keep a gunny sack wet, on the lobsters with salt water. Don't use fresh water, gang. Salt water, that'll keep them alive. That way when, because the thing about lobsters and probably uh, Tommy Gomes will tell you, you do not want to eat them if they die with their tail attached. You need to cook them. If you take the tail off, cook it. If you remove the tail from the body, you're in, uh, you're in, you've just committed a crime if you don't want to eat it right away because they can't measure it. So we don't want to suggest breaking the law at all, but you can't let it die with the tail on it because then it gives off a toxin in the meat that's supposed to be really bad for you. And I've never eaten it.
How about now? Do we got the sound? There, I'm back. I don't know what happened. Sorry about that. That was weird. I looked down and the mic was red. I must got to quit touching stuff. Am I back? I'm back. Thank you. Okay, so back to what we were talking about. I'm sorry about that. I pushed the wrong button. You know, just a silly old sport boat captain. Okay, so the drag thing, Mike Lewis, it's thank you for the question. Text the show, 949-374-0786, gang. The drag and the line really have nothing to do with each other. What you're going to do is you're going to grab your line on your and start to pull on it coming off the reel. As you pull, and I have a whole series on the website to show you what I'm talking about. But as you start to pull the line off the reel, if it comes off really, really easy, it's too loose. And if it doesn't come off at all and it starts to cut your hand when you're pulling on it, it's too tight. You got to have a little bit of give when that fish is trying to take your line. He has to be able to take it. I don't care if you're using 200 pound or if you're using 30 pound. The fish has to be able to take the line when they make their run. It has nothing to do with the pound of the line and the drag. It really doesn't. Until you get up into that 200, 300, 400, 600 pound and you're catching small fish on 400 pound line, you can hammer the drag down and they're either going to rip their face off or you're going to jerk them onto the boat. But as far as 30 pound, let's just say I have 30 pound monofilament on this Alejos 5 two speed. So I got 30 pound line on here. I'm going to put it on there and then I'm going to slowly increase the drag, lever drag on the side, pulling the line with my hand as I pull it off. If I start to, if it doesn't come off, then I know it's too tight. But if it comes off too easy, I know it's too loose. But to get to get all wound up in the pound test and the pound of drag, that's just a giant misunderstanding. Now, when you get into big time, big game, big, big giant marlin, and big three, four, five, six hundred pound tuna. And yeah, that drag system is going to be, be super important. And as you start to increase the pressure, it's got a lot to do with it. But gang, you cannot set your drag according to the pound test. It's just not the deal. It's just not the way it is. You have to feel it. You have to have a feel for it. You don't want it to come off the reel too loose. And you don't want it to not come off. Because when that fish bites it and you put it in gear and try to set the hook, and there is a zero give, the line will break every time. And Mike Lewis, you, I'm going to throw you under the bus, but you... That post you put on the community talking about, yeah, you stopped that 30-pound halibut. You sure did. You stopped him dead in his tracks when you put your thumb on the spool. It had nothing to do with what pound lines you had. That that little booger would have ate, would have busted off a hundred pound. When he took off, when he got scared, when he got scared and he took off, he would have broke a hundred pound. No problem. It had nothing to do with the 30 pound line. You were, it was because you had your thumb pinned on the spool and no line would come off the reel at all. That is a really bad thing to do. And I, we talk about it all the time. And like I said, the other day, there's actually fishing shows that show the exact 
have, they're syndicated and they get paid by sponsors and it just blows my, my mind. There are so many sponsored shows that just teach the most horrible way to fish. Just straight booger eaters teaching straight booger eating style. That is just, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I know that a lot of the, a lot of the sponsors are, well, I don't, I'm afraid of Dave because uh, he, he's going to tell the truth. And yeah, the nice thing about Akuma is they love the truth being told. They love the fact that Dave tells the truth. That's why they've been a sponsor of mine for 20 years. That we we should teach you the proper way to fish. Any any video, any TV show, anywhere you see where the guy's holding the reel on the side plate like this to fight it, you already know it's a booger eating show. Then when they show them putting their thumb on the spool as they lift, and they do, <laughs> there's so many shows like that when they put their thumb on the spool. <laughs> I'm just like I'm sitting in the corner going. Oh my gosh, don't teach my guys how to do that. Oh my gosh, you're just teaching the worst thing you could poss possibly do. And back in the day, I would smack your thumb with a pair of dykes, man. I would just walk by, see your thumb pinned on the spool and smack your thumb with a pair of dykes. Stop that. Don't do that. Oh my gosh, that is the worst thing you could possibly do. I've had people tell me, well, I know exactly the proper amount of pressure to apply with my thumb at the right. I'm like, that's no, you don't. Now you're lying. Oh my God. And I, I'm not going to throw the people under the bus. They're listening right now. They're watching and they know, Oh, I know exactly how much pressure to put with my thumb. No, you don't. That's the biggest booger eating comment I've ever heard in my life. You have no idea. There is no way. When you hook that fish, you can laser beam look down the line and see how big it is and know where the hook fish is hooked and know exactly how much pressure to put on with your thumb. Why did you buy a why did you buy a three hundred or a six hundred dollar reel with a phenomenal drag system that they spent millions of dollars developing the drag system? If you know how to do it with your thumb, oh my gosh, you don't even need a reel. That is the re most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life, gang. And I, guys that are millionaires tell me that. Yes, there's big time club members. And they tell me that. It's like, are you, you got to be kidding. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, San Felipe, Bob. We can't call him that. Oh, that's politically incorrect. Uh Side cutters. Okay. Smack you in the thumb with my side cutters. Gang, I was talking about this reel. Gang, check this thing out. Have you seen these Alejos? This thing is incredible little machine. This thing, this is the Alejos 5. Two speed. This thing is an incredibly balanced reel. Look at this power handle on this little tiny reel. This thing is incredible. You can catch that 100 pound bluefin on this. And then when you get up into the bigger ones, you're going to step up to the Alejos 12. These are like mini Makairas. These things are incredible. Hold on one second. I, I think I got something. I think I got something to show you here. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Sometimes I have cool stuff to show you. I don't have my producer, Elliot, working with me right now. So you know me. I booger stuff up. Let's see. 
Hey guys, this is John Bretza, Director of Product Development for Okuma Fishing Tackle. And what I have here is exciting new upgraded Alijos two-speed reels. For all you tuna guys, bottom fish guys, anybody that wants something that's super durable, heavy duty, but you can fish lighter tackle, this is it. I refer to this as a mini Makaira. So what we've done with the, the Alijos updates is that we've taken the dual force drag system that's in the Makaira and we've mirrored that inside the new Alijos. The other thing that we've done is based on popular demand that we've heard from you anglers out there is that we added a thrust bearing. The same thrust bearing that you'll find in the Makaira is now in the Alijos. So when you fish at really heavy drag pressure, you're gonna eliminate any handle binding and you're gonna have great free spool and you're gonna be able to really put the wood to these big tuna. The other thing that we've also done is that one of the keys in the Makaira drag system is a drag cam and the actual ramp and what it can actually achieve from free spool to strike, but more importantly, from strike to full when that fish is in the depth circle, the Makaira outperforms everything else. And what we did is we copied the Makaira drag cam and put that in the Alijos. So some great uh, benefits there. The other thing, just like the previous Alijos, you have 17 four grade stainless steel gearing. One advantage that you do have, even though I call it a mini Makaira, one advantage it does have is that there's a cast control system. So you can adjust this to real heavy pressure, say if you're up in Alaska fishing halibut, you got real heavy lead, you can slow that spool down, or you can do micro adjustments for say casting uh, sardines or something like that on the west coast. Uh, the new Alijos is gonna be backed by a three-year warranty. This product is now shipping it in the dealer's hands right now. If you wanna find out more information on the Alijos, Check it out on okumafishingusa.com. All right, there you go. That's what I'm talking about, these Alejos. I really am loving this five. I can't wait. I'm going to be using it up there at the War Heroes on Water. I'll be up there on the 20th of September. We're going out War Heroes on Water. I'm going to be on a boat called Joint Ventures, and uh, it should be fun. My deckhand's going to be Bill DePriest from Pacific, <clears throat> Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Magazine and the Pacific Coast Sport fishing show he's going to be my deckhand we're going to be out there we're going to be field testing these things i cannot wait to go fish with these alejos these little things are little little work machines it should be exciting i'm excited about it and don't forget gang right now today until friday softsteelusa.com go to softsteelusa.com Go over there and you're going to get 30% off of all the product. Any product on that site at softsteelusa.com. Monofilament, stretchy, fluorocarbon, all kinds of different products over there. Go to softsteelusa.com. Go check it out. And if you put in the code Hanson30, you're going to get 30% off of whatever you purchase on the whole purchase. So go check it out. All right, Dan. Kim and Dan have a question. Cap Dave, when you were working the deck and after you filleted all those fish and your back was killing you, what was your average for tips? Do you remember roughly? I remember exactly. So here's how it started. When I first started cutting fish and working as a deckhand back in the 70s, we would get 25 cents per fish. So you get 25 cents for a barracuda, you get 25 cents for a yellowtail. You get 25 cents for a bonita. You get 25 cents for a rockfish. You get 25 cents for a calico bass. So if you had a limit of calico bass, that was 10 back then before they boogered it all up with no science. And so then you go, okay, $2.50 to fillet a full limit. And we'd have 60 people on the boat. 
Max and I would fillet fish for two or three hours. At the end of the day, you'd make 50, 60 bucks in tips. That was phenomenal. Because remember back then, gasoline was less than a dollar a gallon. Rent was like 200 bucks a month. I mean, we were making 50, 60 bucks a day, every single day, cash. That was different world. It was a fun time. Then I remember things started to get tight. Gas went over a dollar a gallon. Then we changed the filet into three fish for a dollar. And I remember people wanted their change when they only had two fish. And let's be honest, I didn't go to school, so I don't know what's 33 and a third cents. And then so 66 and two thirds cents and try to make the change. People are brutal. They were brutal back then. They're brutal now. And it, it was crazy, Dan. And then it went to a dollar a fish. I was long gone by then. I can't even imagine what it is now. But back in those days, 25 cents a fish is what it started at. When my dad and his buddies all talk about it, they, were only, they weren't allowed to fillet. We didn't get to start filleting fish until the mid-70s, I think. And uh, back when my dad was doing it, head and gut was all you could do. Take the head off and the guts out. That was it. And they would just do it no charge. And the people would just throw money in the tip jar. And if you guys remember back in the day, the tip jar would be out there on the fillet board. It would be full of water and you would throw your money in there. And I remember George Clef, when anybody would ask him, why are you putting it in the water? Because water makes it grow. That I love that. That was one of my, that was one of my great things. I, I used to love that saying. And then he used to teach people how to cook bonita. Marinated in Kiko Man teriyaki sauce for 45 minutes to an hour, then uh, cook it on the grill, skin side down first, meat side down last uh, five minutes total cooking time, two and a half minutes on each side, and it's done. And he told that story 800 million times. Kenny Nielsen used to te teach people how to cook greenback mackerel, and they, he used to fillet those things for hours and hours and hours all day long. My buddy Dave Burris, what is your best photometer, chart plotter, GPS unit for a smaller boat? Well, gang, the very best is Furuno. And then after that, it's if it, it if after Furuno, I would say really it doesn't matter. You can get anything. Simrad, Garmin, um, Lawrence, Hummingbird. Furuno's the best. Everything else after that is whatever's after that. And if you don't believe me, just watch Deadliest Catch Guys and look at the fish finding apparatus they're using. GPS doesn't really matter. There's a million different GPS. You can use your flipping phone for a GPS. It gets you pretty dang close right on the rockfish spots anyway. That's what I use my phone for. I keep all my numbers on my phone. Because I'd be on a different boat every day. And to, back in the day, I used to carry a book. But I used to set hours on end at night driving out to spots and stuff. And I would just sit there and transcribe them onto my phone. And then I just use my phone. And then you got Navionics on your phone. And you put the numbers on the telephone. And look at I'll show you something. Here's how I do it. I'm just going to show you something real quick. 
I put them in as fishing. I put the spots in as um, phone numbers. And then I just pull them up for what I want. And all the GPS numbers are there. And I just grab it off of there and throw it in your GPS, catch some fish. And then when I, at the end of the day, when I'm leaving, I just erase them all real quick. And then if you really, really want them, you just go to my website and get them that way. But yeah, I save them all on my phone as, as phone numbers. It works flawless. And then every, every time you, uh, Every time you change phones, it gets saved over and you'll never lose those spots. I got spots on my phone from 15 years ago. It's crazy. That's how I save them on there. And it works out really, really well. And then uh, radar. I don't know. Everybody's radar is pretty good nowadays. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the fish finding apparatus is the number one thing. Everybody wants theirs to have the picture like Faruno. Everybody talks about everybody's picture. They all want it to be as clean as Faruno. You're going to get a lot of people that are in the installation business or in the sales business that are going to tell you this machine, that machine, because they get a kickback from the company on what machine to put in your boat. But uh, yeah, I, the transducer is going to be the big thing. The transducer, if you have that transducer mounted wrong in any way, it doesn't matter if you have a Furuno unit or what you have. If the transducer isn't mounted proper, it's not going to matter. You need to make sure your transducer is mounted proper. Let the shipyard put it in. Anytime you drill a hole in your boat, you should always make sure that the shipyard's putting it in because there's too many variables for too many things that could possibly happen. So the transducer and those of you with trailerable boats, if your transducer is hanging out back of your boat, you're probably not getting a very good reading. You're probably not getting a good look at the bottom. You're probably not getting a good look at the water column. You're probably not getting a very good look because of the fact that you have that thing back there and it's getting air. Once it gets air between the water and, and the boat, if there's air, it's not going to meter through the air the right way. That's why that stern-mounted uh, transducer is no bueno. You want to put it through the hull. It's going to change everything if you put it through the hull. All right? That's the best I can do. I just don't know what else to tell you. Um, let's see what else we got. We got my good buddy, Bill Dupree, saying hi to everybody, and thanks for mentioning him on the show. Oh, okay. Here's another question from Matt. Since you're all afraid to send in your questions, we get the same same people sending in lots of cool questions. This is a great one. At the end of the battle with the Marlin, why do they always handline it? Well, because they're fishing a very long, heavy leader. So that leader is going to be a couple, th four, Two to 400, maybe bigger marlin, heavier line. But once that leader gets on to the rod, once it goes through the first guide, that's a caught marlin. Okay? So most marlin are going to be released. Once the deckhand touches that leader, that's a caught marlin. Now, if he touches the line before it gets into the tip of the rod, the leader, I mean, if he touches the main line before the leader gets into the tip of the rod, that's not a caught fish. 
once the leader gets into the tip of the rod, it's free for all. You can grab it. But listen, when they're grabbing it, watch how they wrap it on their hand. They, the minute that fish starts to take off, they release. They don't hold it there and try to snap that hook until the very end. When they get that thing up there and they get that good picture, they'll let it run through the water on the side of the boat. They may hold it, hold it now really tight. But I'll tell you what, when that 200, 400, 600 pound line breaks, it, that hurts like hell on your hand when that thing comes snapping back. Come here. What are you doing, little monkey? So that's what they're doing. But they're not, they're not holding it like thumb in the spool. They're ready to release it at any given time. So if you got to watch it, Matt, and watch how they're doing it, watch how they're leadering the fish. It's an art. The way you wrap it around your hands an art. The way you're ready to release it when it takes off is an art. And then a lot of times you might be using 400 pounds. The fish might weigh 150 pounds. They can hold that fish and he can't break the line. And they bring it right up next to the side of the boat. And then they'll cut that leader off as close to the hook as they can to give that fish at least amount of damage to the fish as you possibly can. So that's what's going on there. Hopefully that answered your question the proper way. And, uh, yep. Going through the through hole is the very, very best way to mount your, uh, fish finding apparatus. But that transducer is don't skimp. Make sure you get the very best transducer for the unit. It's going to change everything. The transducer you don't want to pull the boat back out of the water and change your trans because you bought a cheap one and now you, you're not getting the picture that you want. As soon as you decide to put that transducer in the bottom of your boat and cut that, that hole, you better get the very best transducer. Save your money. Don't go on another. Wait. Don't go on that extra bluefin trip you were thinking of. Wait a minute. And then that way you can get that transducer that you really wanted. And uh, I wish those bluefin would hurry up and leave so we could go back to fishing for fish. But I don't think they're going anywhere for a long time. There's so many of them out there. Okay. I think this is a question. I was the only one to bring my heavy stuff for night jigging. That my buddy used my Makaira 20. His, uh, Yeah, I can't mention the other reel, but he used using another company's reel. And uh, you, you let him use your Makaira 20 and he fell in love with it. Now he's selling that other type of reel. Thank you. Any tips on cleaning the fillets up and prepping them for the vacuum sealing in the food saver? Do you rinse with water? Okay, here's what we do. And my good friend Shayla has a great video about it. What we do is we like to uh, take that meat, trim all the little bits and pieces off that we're not going to eat, all the parts. Then we pat it dry with a paper towel. Then we put it into the vacuum seal, get the moisture off of it, put it into the vacuum seal, and then seal it. Because if you're trying to seal it when it's all wet and slimy, it's not going to seal proper. It's going to... It's going to eat up your bags. You're not going to get it. You want to pat it dry with the paper towel and get all that excess of water off of there and also trim it up. Get all the pieces and parts that you're not going to eat even when you thaw it out later or whatever you're going to do with it. Trim it all up, get it all cleaned up and get it out. When 
when I have a piece of tuna or a piece of bluefin at my house that I'm going to eat tonight and I didn't uh, freeze it and it didn't go in a freezer bag, and this is a perfect thing you're saying, is I'll put a paper towel in the Ziploc bag with that piece of tuna so that it gets keeps the moisture off of it so it doesn't get mushy. So then when it's time for Kelly Girl and I to eat it tonight, it'll be a nice firm piece of meat. We'll cut it up into little cubes and little chunks. And then we'll be on our way to having a nice pokey dinner or a nice piece of seared ahi or a nice piece of uh, bluefin sashimi. So hopefully that helps on that question. Hello, Captain Dave Brian from Corona. Since you mentioned drag, if you're using floral on top of mono, should you set the drag based on the floral or the mono? On the mono. On the mono. You got to be able to pull that mono off. When you're using a piece of floral, it should be short. You don't need a big, long piece. I know the guy that sells floral told you you need a big, long piece. Naturally, he did. For God, absolutely. But like I say on all my videos, we're not fishing for cartoon fish, gang. That tuna, that calico bass, that rockfish, that yellowtail, that white sea bass, or whatever it is you're fishing for, they don't come swimming up to your line, stop, and look 18 inches from the hook up to where your floral carbon's tied to your mono or tied to your braid. No, they're come flying in there and they eat that bait if it looks natural and it's on a black thin wire hook and it's got a nice piece of floral carbon tied to it. My leaders, and I and I don't know, I fish a little bit once in a while. My leaders are 12 to 18 inches long. Sometimes I'll go down to where I could still tie it and I'm still using it. I'm not making these big long leaders. There was a guest on Let's Talk Cookup, I can't remember who it was the other day, and he was talking, you never want your leader to be able to come up and touch your tip of your rod. You don't want that leader going through the guides when you're going to cast. So with that floral carbon leader, you don't want it going through the guides. So you're setting it up. Thanks, Ethan and Isaac. Oh, yeah, I got those pictures. You guys knocked the crap out of them. Great trip. But, gang, you don't want that not going through your guides. It's going to hang up. I don't even care if you tie the greatest connection knot in the world. It's still going to hang up on the guides a little bit. Right, Marley? He's over here just having a good time staring out the window at that stupid owl. So you want to make sure that you are uh, not letting that slip through the guides. Make sure that your leader's short. 12, 18 inches is all you need with a piece of floral carbon. All right? I'm just trying to help you. You do it however you want. If you got a, oh, I use a 40-foot piece of floral. Good for you. Greg over at Opson thinks you're the greatest human being on the world. Dave, he hates me because all a 50-pound spool of floral carbon will last me probably five trips because I'm using a little short piece. But I seem to do just fine catching fish. All right, Captain Dave, thinking about getting a small boat for fishing Newport, L.A. harbors. Is there generally good fishing inside the break wall? Dave Lee, perfect. That's a great thing. Yes, those Bay Runner series boats, the aluminum boats, they're great for fishing in the harbors. Yeah, you. there is so much fish inside of Newport Harbor and inside of L.A. Long Beach Harbor. 
Think about this. L.A. Long Beach Harbor is the largest port in the United States. Yes, it is. I don't care what you say. It's the third largest port in the world, and it's the largest port in the United States, and it's full of water, and there's no fences. So there's all kinds of fish in there. And then we're coming into, like we were talking about yesterday, we're coming into lobster season, Dave. So you're going to be able to fish lobsters on your boat in Long Beach and L.A. Harbor. Newport Harbor, a little tougher to fish lobsters, but we talked about that yesterday. But yeah, just for the lobster alone, it's worth getting a small little boat, a little 12, 17, somewhere between 12 and 15 foot. Be just fine for fishing in there, fishing plastics, fishing uh, all the different pilings and piers and rocks and wrecks. And there's so much stuff inside of LA Long Beach Harbor. You could start fishing there tomorrow every single day and it would probably take you two or three years to fish the whole harbor if you fished every single day. It's a giant piece of water and people catch thresher sharks in there all the time. Big giant halibut, white sea bass, black sea bass, just a plethora of fish, spotted bay bass, calicos, everything lives in the harbors, Dave. So yeah, definitely. And with what's going on in the world today, I think that if you got a little bit of money, if you hang on to it a little bit, I think there's going to be a lot of deals here real soon. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to say. I know there's a, they're trying to shove a new thing right down our throats right now. If you watch the news at all, it's crazy. I don't want to get banned, so we won't talk about it. And I know my buddy is... Uh, Elliot's going, shut up, Dave. Don't talk about it. I won't. I promise. I won't even bring it up. So um, we got a few more minutes, gang. You got to still got a chance to send in your questions. 949-374-0786. I'll do my very best to answer it. If I don't know an answer, I'll make up one. But uh, we got a few minutes. I'd love to answer any more of your questions. And then uh, look at, let's see. What do we got? What do we got? Nope. Don't got it. Look at those guys. These guys are coming on the show on on Friday. I'm so excited. These guys have a massive following all over the place. These guys are down in Alabama. They they run a beautiful tackle store. Um, Bearded Brad and and the boys over there are going to be on the show on Friday. Since we had Bill Barney on, and then we had uh, Brian. On the show, the surf cast, uh, D- Brian Demo, the surf fishing thing has just exploded. We had so many people asking about it every day. And, and Brant and Brad fish the surf all day, every day. They have a phenomenal amount of videos about fishing the surf. They have all kinds of bitching products and stuff. And these guys are doing it every day. And it looks really cool what they're doing. And everybody was telling me, you got to get Bearded Brad on the show. You got to get him on there. He's so funny. You got to go check him out. So I've been watching your videos, Brad, and I am very entertained. I want you all to go check him out. Bearded Brad's got a great big following. He's got a lot of cool videos. Check him out. Gang, It's going to be a great show on Friday. They're going to do it from their podcast studio in their tackle store. 
Bahama Beach Bum is their tackle store. Go check it out. Go online. Look at it. Go see what's going on. And uh, I guess we're not going to get any more questions, even though I begged and begged and no more questions. So, all right. That's all we got. That's all we got. Crazy, crazy. Um, I'm trying to find a winner here. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, my goodness. Come on, somebody, somebody, somebody. Steve Thompson. You just won T-shirt. Steve, give me your address. Send me your address and your shirt size. Kelly will get that thing ordered right away. Beach Bum Outdoors is where you guys want to go check out these three guys. They got a whole bunch of great things going on. They all have huge followings on social media. Check it all out. Steve, thanks for the great question about the binoculars. That helped out bringing us right into the binocular series. Jimmy Kingsmill is going to come back on the show here in a couple weeks and talk all about the binoculars thing. And uh, I will be at War Heroes on Water on the 20th. I'm flying up there. And then we're going to do something crazy on the day of the banquet. We're going to take Elliot fishing. Those of you that came to the show last year, Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show, you saw us there. You saw you met my man, Elliot, who runs all my social media and produces this show every day for me. Elliot's going fishing. He runs a whole bunch of different fishing company websites and social media and does all that stuff for everybody, but he has not been fishing yet. So we're going to make some phenomenal videos with Elliot, taking him fishing with Justin and Ben and Steve and hopefully Dave Brown makes the trip and we're all going to go fishing and go have fun and show Elliot how much fun fishing is. So that should be fun. I'm excited. Gang, hang in there. Be kind to each other. Turn off the news because, man, the new lie that they're spreading is unbelievable. And you're all going to fall in line and do what they tell you to do. And it's pretty, pretty flipping amazing. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm sorry, Elliot. Done. All right, gang, see you tomorrow. Kelly Girl will be on the show. Send in your questions, 949-374-0786. We'll have a great show tomorrow, I promise, because we got the beautiful Kelly Girl on the show. And it's always amazing when she's on there. Also, do not forget, gang, that uh, just for another, what, two uh, two days? SoftSteelUSA.com. Go to softsteelusa.com, put in the code Hanson30. That'll get you that uh, 30% off all the soft steel product. And I think Shark Bait is where you're going to go to get your uh, Alejos Reels. Shark Bait's a company in Seal Beach, California. Shark Bait spelled with a C, not an S. You go to Shark Bait, go get your Alejos Series Reels. Let them know your saltwater guide sent you. And I will see you all tomorrow. Turn off the news or I'll lie and bite.